Hello, welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. I'm Heavenly Mother and I am conducting on this beautiful Sabbath day. Presiding, we have the one, the only sugarcane, biblical Old Testament sugarcane here with us. He's presiding over this meeting um, and we are going to be your guest speakers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> should I introduce the topic? Or oh, the topic is just like Mormon dating horrors. So, Speak your words, sugarcane, to our lovely congregation. <laughs> you know, Heavenly Mother, this is this is you know every every young Mormon's you know hopes and dreams. They're everything they aspire to as they as they get into their that you know the the young adult ward. And I think for people like us, um, it can be a really traumatic experience. <laughs> but also a really funny experience as you look back on it, as you grow on it. So I'm just, I'm super excited to learn more about you, but not to pull up really nasty things that, that might send you back into, send you back into, you know, I don't want you to get into a weird like catabolic state or to get really emotional, but I, I'd love to just hear more about your experiences in terms of dating. I guess my, my first question for you um, in terms of, um, I guess I guess horror stories is I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take a flip on the question of, of horror stories. Like, what would you say? If has there been anything to gain from these really bad experiences when it comes to dating? Like, what what positive things have you gained from dating within the church? I, and hope you better me to cut you off. I'm just so excited. I love this. I love to talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a really did I, did I cut you off? Did you finish your thought? Oh no, this is great. Yeah, I, I, I'm just curious. Like, has there anything? What have you learned from the experiences? The number one. I mean, there's a couple of things. The number one is to leave at the first red flag. Ooh. I think that's the mm. biggest piece, and it's that's something really that I tell people, like literally, until I am blue in the face to do that because if they're showing up in the early stages of dating, they're not going to go away. They're just going to multiply. Yeah. And something that you're taught as a Mormon, I don't know if this is ever really taught to you because you came into it as a young adult, but you're taught literally over the pulpit. I have horror stories about this to ignore red flags, to give men the benefit of the doubt, to give men second chances, third chances. I had a friend who her one of her bishopric members up at school at BYU, the big Y, told the congregation, he would tell them frequently, um, you need to give a man two or three dates before you decide if you like him or not. That's and that was really hard. <laughs> that was really hard for her. She's like, I would know after the first date, I wasn't very interested. And then another thing about the red flags is like, the subtle little things about somebody pretty much tell you who they are. Like if you, you're finding this red flag, it's not a yield sign. It's a red flag. Um, there's just going to be more, but Mormon dating and we'll get into it too is conclusion based. You jump in with the conclusion. You're looking for us. You're looking for children. Exactly. You come in with this conclusion so if you're like, I was like a very romantic, as you know, because we knew each other back then in the day, I was a very romantic person. I loved love. I loved romance. I loved, I was all, I was all into that. And so if there was a man that I was attracted to that meets some basic 
check mark. <laughs> he's really basic. Like, he's like, literally, the most time. he's alive. You know? He's even being alive, then single. Yeah. Um, I would think so conclusion-based. I would think that I wanted to be with them. And so what happens if you have a conclusion-based mindset is you ignore evidence that would deter you from the conclusion. Mm. You ignore evidence that, like, this person isn't for you. Um, and then also we've discussed it before. And we'll discuss, continue to discuss it because you've brought it up to me that just the overall patriarchy and misogyny of the church is like permeates all things. Yeah. It does with dating because as a woman and as a single person, you don't have any place, you don't have any worth, you don't have any, you're useless. So mm -hmm. having a, having a man is so, so important. Um, and I think it's why a lot of uh, lesbian women in the church stay in the closet, because if they're single, there is no place for them. It's really sad. Like, there's no hopes and dreams unless you're in a heteronormative relationship having babies, because even if you don't want kids, that's like not allowed to be thought of. Right. That's my really long story. Now you can spit it off with your questions and your comments. No, I, man, I've, there were so many things within that. There was like, that was brilliant. Um, Thank you. Gosh. Okay. So the, I, let's go back to the first one that I heard, just like concentrating on the first red flag. Right. And I think, I think, you know, what's maybe difficult for, for maybe anyone in terms of dating, but certainly like within the church, you know, I guess speaking on, on the idea that things are conclusion based and you're looking for very specific things like, you know, can you get me into the temple? You know, can we have children? And, and are those really important things in the church like going to be solved? Um, it's, it's, I, it, it might be hard to really get at what a red flag is because you're just so concentrated on those aspects and you're willing to give up so much of yourself that you may just not even see what a red flag is supposed to be. You know, it just, it just completely, it just passes your mind. i I, I think I think for me that was probably a really like a really easy thing to do, which is like like I guess for how did the, what did you do to make sure you noticed like a red flag like or like what were some examples of red flags um, that you may have overlooked or or caught while you were dating? So good. Um, one big one that leads to a couple of funny stories that I was planning on talking about and I was prepping myself. So I'll start with this one. <laughs> racism be racism. <laughs> so, <laughs> racism is racism. The number of men who, and I'll start with uh, the white men I dated and then we're going to talk about some men of color that are have internalized racism yeah. because, oh my God, those stories are so good. So the white guys really felt comfortable. Sorry, I've lived by a busy street. So if you hear motorcycle or sirens, is what it is. <laughs> the white guys were so comfortable making subtle racist jokes and racist comments. And because I'm white presenting, I'm not just passing, I'm presenting as white, they felt overly comfortable doing it in front of me. And so that was a big red flag um, because I find racism immoral and I don't think that there's any room for it, especially like, how do I explain it? If you have a prejudice or you have an issue with somebody that is equal playing field to you, that's something you can work on. But if you're from the position of the the privileged, like as white people, mm. and you're racist towards people who you literally have advantages over, what the? 
<laughs> yeah, it's just you just layering the, the pressure <laughs> on top of like, each other. You already won, nice homie. Like, yeah. You already <laughs> stomped in the ground. They were at the top of the racism food chain. Right. Um, and then another thing, I have a specific example of just like the little things about somebody just like let you know. When I was at my last year at BYU, not my last semester, because I had a little like boy toy fling for a little while. Bless his heart. Um, it was like a two week long thing. And he was like, I want to talk about us. And I'm like, there is no us. <laughs> <laughs> we have literally looked each other face twice. Like, <laughs> We're here for a good time on a long time. Yeah. Bless him. Bless him. He was just somebody that would take things really, oh God, who just, you know what? I think he was a typical person for his age, but because we were Mormon, it was not okay. Cause he was, he was like 20, 21. I don't really remember. And I was like two or three years older than him. And so it was like, he didn't have marriage on the mind and that's very odd to be a Mormon that way. But for him, like, he's like a normal person. <laughs> um, my last year, there was this guy who, I hate to call this man out. He was native. I'm native. Here we are. And yeah. I don't know what's to be said, but he would like, like it if I would fight with him. Like if I would get mad uh. at him and I would always end with like, you know, I don't think this is going to work. And then he'd like, no, come back and like, try it. We never dated. We we're just in the talking phase, just the talking phase. And he, God, it was so weird. And he was <laughs> so manipulative and he was so um, inconsiderate, like wouldn't talk to me when I wanted to be talked to. It was always on his time. And then it would build up to the point where I would confront him. So my, my classic way that way that people would date Heavenly Mother is I'd have these standards that once once we're in it, once we're a couple or close to being a couple and I would say what they were. And they were pretty basic shit. Like, be there for me as a person. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> First page. <laughs> and they they wouldn't. And so I I'd confront them, and I'd be pretty like, like kind of fight. I wouldn't be verbally abusive, but like I would confront more aggressively than they're used to women aggress like talking to them. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, this is. Not work, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd be like, oh, God, I just can't live to your plausible, implausible stands and leave. Every time. That's always what happened. And I liked it that way because I didn't like to crush people's dreams. So I was like, just leave me, God. It's so much easier. Because I had horrible fears because of my first boyfriend I ever had that, like, he wouldn't let me break up with him. He would get crazy. So it was like, it's better this way if you do it than uh, me. I'm not going to murder not, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not vindictive. I'm not going to pull you back in. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> every, every time we're going to be, so the last you'll hear from me, we'll be dead to each other. Yeah. Like, um, God, so that that young man, bless his heart, it was just this cycle. And I was like, we're never going to get off this train. Like, we're never going to like each other more, get to know each other more. But he, like, literally enjoyed the combativeness that I was delivering. And that was so yeah. weird. Like, I don't know what that's about for him. Bless his heart. He'll be fine someone. Yeah. But he, he would never meet my emotional needs in any capacity. But he, like, wouldn't let me go until finally it was like, we just have to... Yeah, we're done and I know now that like this guy just wasn't all that interested but you're so desperate at BYU Idaho and as a Mormon person that if a man who meets the basic check marks 
And for him, I did have that in mind because I was like, oh, cool. Like he's indigenous. I'm indigenous. And he knew I was native, um, which led to some unsettling comments. But we'll get to that because that's the second part about racism be racism. Mm. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that before I talk about the racism exhibited by men? (laughs) It's hard. You know, I think you put you you put yourself in a kind of compromised situation because you had like learned to deal with a dating situation, dating situations, plural that at least helped you to, you know, get rid of who you need to get rid of. And then you finally found someone that was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> but I think, you, I mean, I, I, for all intents and purposes, at least it ended in the correct way. You're still able to, you know, manage to, like, to get out of something that was um, not healthy for you. And that concerns me because I feel like there are people in the world that don't have that kind of inner strength or willpower to, to see something that is, like not just it's just it's just not working for them. They like the, for some reason the comfort of the relationship is better than than being outside of it. And I guess maybe my question is for 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 people that are within the church or for for um for, for, I guess for and maybe in your experiences like what do you what would you say to people that you know the 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 promises that you're getting from religion or from the from the from the uh, relationship. Um, when do you make the choice of how do you find the, the the willpower to say that whatever's happening in this relationship is not worth like the pain or the suffering that I'm feeling dating or being in a long-term relationship that's not healthy? That's such a good question. I almost have to ponder on it, but I'm sure I'll throw something out of there because I'm a talker. <laughs> um, and I'm also a people person, so I enjoy talking to you because, you know, we're both kind of people people. Um uh, well, what I tell people now, what I tell people now is that it's okay to make decisions based on how you feel right now. Mm, and like you, that. yeah, it's, it's probably the, it's also my nice way of telling people like, please leave who you're with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, I want to tell people what to do, but I can kind of leave them because so, 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 so many people, especially women, Men too, but I mean, when it comes to unhealthy relationships and it comes to domestic violence or intimate partner violence, um, disproportionately men are the perpetrators, disproportionately women are the victims. There are exceptions. Obviously, there are exceptions. We all know that. Um, But in my experience, um, I mostly worked with people who were women and their partner was an abusive man. And a lot of women hold on, even in the church, even if it's not abusive or it's just toxic or it's just unhealthy. And I've seen some men do this too with toxic, not abusive, but toxic. They hold on to this hypothetical, they'll change. Yep. They'll oh. hold on to that, that hope. And some relationships, whether they're toxic or abusive, have this abuse cycle that has this honeymoon phase where there's love bombing. That's really what we'll call it. We'll just call it love bombings. That's what it is. And those love bombing times, they really feel like, okay, they are going to change. And look at how good they are right now. And they were good at the beginning of the relationship. And also all of these people in Mormon dating are conclusion-based. So their conclusion is the honeymoon. That's where we're always going to get to. Instead of acknowledging that the other, you know, what is like 100 divided by 3 I don't know. The other 70% of the time, this person is either tense or we have an explosive, toxic or abusive episode. 
And so they're conclusion-based. They go for this hypothetical, they're going to change. And then also in the honeymoon phase, and we did a whole, me and my sister did a whole episode on this, and I will continue to preach it. Forgiveness is really forced on you as a person. So you have mutually toxic relationships in the church that I've seen a million times. I can speak on that as well. And then you have full on intimate partner violence, abusive relationships in the church, the church culture and the way that it is set up is like fertile ground for toxic relationships and abusive relationships. And it is for a couple of reasons I can go into that. I can literally bullet point it, how the church contributes to unhealthy relationships. Um, and so I think that for me to get out of those bad relationships was I had this idea, I had this hope of a better one in general. And then I'm also not a very, very forgiving person. I can heal and I can accept things and I can not be mean, but I'm not really a forgiving person. I never will be. And I don't care to change that at any time. Nothing wrong with me. I just don't forgive. So, which I think is a huge strength in this instance, because like, like, like with the fight, with the yeah. fighting and the guy was, would be like, I can't meet your standards. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like well, that's how it is. That's how yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. And I usually say something mean and then never just speak to them again. <laughs> like, like, well, you're a rare. And then, but it wouldn't be like name calling me and it would be like, just mean. <laughs> Not abusive mean, just like, girl, why? But I was like, I, was like, oh, I, <laughs> I had him just like a little viper. Yeah. And then and then I felt good. Like I just had to spit out my little venom and then I was like, mm, I'm happy. Um also all these men deserved it, by the way. They're very misogynistic and or racist. Mm. I wasn't fighting with nice Mormon men. It never happened. No. <laughs> that never <laughs> happened. Uh-oh. I never dated a nice Mormon man. <laughs> wasn't a thing that ever happened to me until Gosh. my now husband who isn't Mormon anymore. So there you go. Lord. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder how many of them are actually out there. I'm sure there are some. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard about them in folk songs. <laughs> <laughs> we sing about them in our hymnal. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that joke in Oh my gosh. Um, wow. I don't, okay. So I have, yeah, I have, I have a lot. I feel like that was, that was good. That was a very good, like get the intense stuff right at the beginning. <laughs> There's some crappy people that, that, that are, should not be dating one. And they're, just, they're in the church. I think there was something that um, just, it, in my mind, I, I was thinking uh, when you were commenting on it's just uh, the the culture of the church just is fertile ground for abusive and toxic toxic relationship, relationships. In my mind, immediately thought to the just the just the abuse of scripture against people and against women on like what they should be doing and how they should be acting, and that to me is like probably like for me it's one of the worst because it's so easy. I mean, I say I think it'd be incredibly hard if you were trying to just like take the any, take take your uh, um, 
uh, take your opinion or like uh, your your opinions on what women should be doing is out of thin air, right? But when you have this document that says, you know, that God says you're supposed to be doing this and and you know this this pre, this prophet said you're supposed to be doing that, then it becomes so much more powerful because you're you're kind of already on the same page in terms of that like that that that, that conclusionary mindset. Uh, this is what we're all about, anyways. You've already you've already committed to this idea that this God and this way of being is supposed to be you know your your life then commit to these words that say that you're supposed to be a devoted wife and you're supposed to listen to your husband and you're supposed to have this many children and, you know, you shouldn't talk back and things like that. That's super powerful in terms of just like power over um, women in relationships. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. I think that's the origin. I think the origin. And if you, which we've done, obviously, as ex-Mormons, we analyze other faiths that are similar. Not that you can really call the Mormon Church a faith necessarily. It's very cult culty cult, cult. Um, they fall into the same categories and I mean this is kind of I will I'll go into it another time because it's it's not super funny to he he but <laughs> when I think about any kind of religion culture society that embraces patriarchy or embraces sexism the first people to suffer are always going to be women. And then it weirdly ends up being via osmosis or intentionally like children too. And there's some scriptures about kids that are like, you know, really mm, unsettling. And also I think the, the indoctrination of the church, especially when it comes to dating happens when you are a kid, you know, it starts right out the gate. Um, but that's that's I totally agree. I think the scriptures are the origin. And then there's some subtle things that's like the ultimate gaslighting. <laughs> the yeah. ultimate gaslighting is like you're so journey with me. Imagine this. You're a little, little Mormon woman. Mm-hmm. You make the observation, man, there's like no women's names in the Book of Mormon. That's messed up. And then people mm-hmm. gaslight the hell out of you and say, no, no, they we're not devalued. We're not invisible. We're there. Literally, there's like four women's names in that whole goddamn book. And there's so many pages of men's names and men's importance. And then you just gaslight the hell out. You like, you're just so gaslit by the utter invisibility of women. Um, So yeah, the scriptures, even if like, so the book of Mormon might not have passages that are super misogynistic. It does have a few, not as much as the Bible, but it does have some that I'm like, oh, problematic. The biggest thing is that women are just seen, not heard. That's the biggest I think scriptural example for Mormons, because so many Mormons don't even like freaking read the Bible. They like hardly touch yeah, it. It's uh, so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> As you were, continue. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I think my own my own like you know being a part of the dominant male culture would like doesn't even realize that myself that there really is not a presence of women in the Book of Mormon. And I think I often think about this in general. I know this is a little off topic in terms of the topic that we have now, but it's like how easy it is for you to forget the struggle of other like social social identity groups just because you're just not in that struggle. And women for me, especially like I often forget of how, how like the, how like strong that pain is and how like just how, how, how deep like things go. And as a woman feeling just probably very, 
just not heard or not maybe not even seen you know what i mean just in general and i just i definitely appreciate your experience because like i think even myself within the church i don't think i would be able to really know like what was going on if you're just not listening to women in the church about their experiences so and I, i'm sure every person that's a woman that's listened to this podcast or just listen to you in general like appreciates that because there needs to be more of that right there needs to be so much more of women just being heard <laughs> and speaking you know it's, making me cry it's adorable like, mm, i'm not really crying you can tell <laughs> but it does it, may, it makes you feel good inside and i'm i just feel so strongly about it it's one of the many reasons like before we started recording i was like i can literally talk about anything about the church and like rip yeah. it to shreds <laughs> like, <laughs> and being somebody who's pretty low on the racism slash sexism I'm obviously there are women that have have it way worse, um, but whatever marginalized identities you're a part of, your experience in the church is increasingly worse. And like yeah. we've I mentioned before with the other co-hosts, Elder Jackson and Bishop Jensen, they they were you know white cis straight men, and they still had a bad time. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just extra, it's extra bad. Everybody's struggling. No <laughs> one's having a good time, guys. This is the worst party I've ever been to. <laughs> it is. And so if you meet certain, you know, criteria, like, so I'll tell you about <laughs> the racism be racisming. So journey with me. So a lot of men felt comfortable being racist. And so I was like, you know what, me and white men, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And there's a couple other things that I don't want to sound hateful, but just me and white men weren't going to vibe. It just wasn't going to (laughs) happen. So I'd always been attracted to a, a diversity of men. So it wasn't hard or weird for me to like date a man outside of my physical appearance, my phenotype. Um, (laughs) That was not ever a struggle. Even as a kid, like I had crushes on men that were diverse looking. (laughs) And so did my mom. So I was like super normalized where I've literally, I've met white Mormon women. Like it was so weird. Like if you say like you find someone handsome, their response is like, but he's Asian. And you're like, what? <laughs> I know that, That what? And then it's gotten better. It's gotten so much better. But for a while, when I was younger, it would, it was just weird. But you know, you and I are also from California where it's very normal uh, to be in mixed relationships. Right. It's not normal out in Jesus used to know where I don't. So, um, I, <laughs> this happened to me twice. And then, and then why my husband is golden. That's will be the conclusion of the story. I dated, I was in the talking phase with a black gentleman and we didn't progress past that because one time we're on the phone, it was so boring. I fell asleep and I was like, I don't think we can ever do this. Um, and I wasn't even that tired. It was just oh, like, that's great. It was like, this so is going boring. nowhere. It was going <laughs> nowhere. And I don't think he's a bad person. Necessary, you know what? I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna let the audience decide that. I'm not needed to defend this <laughs> right, man, yeah. this just... man in any way. So I felt like I had to ask because he's he was he's black, and I noticed that like his last three exes because I Facebook stalked were all white women, mm. and I was like, okay, this is feeling a little 
little bit like a pattern. <laughs> so I had to ask because I don't do fetishization. I'm not, I don't like that. And also I was sensing some, I'll explain my concerns by this conclusion. So I brought it up. I was like, so I've noticed that your ex was white and I'm white presenting because I let him know like oh I'm actually native and he was like oh what disappointed um, I'm kidding I don't know if he was disappointed <laughs> but some men literally were when they're like surprise um, and then I just asked like what why don't you like what is it about white what's going on here in a nice way and he said like I'm just not attracted to them or some some bull sorry some bullshit And I handled it super like calmly and maturely. And I just explained to him, like, I want to be a mom one day and I would absolutely love to have a daughter and I'm not going to have a daughter with someone who isn't going to find her beautiful. So Mm. let's wrap this up. (laughs) Like we're not (laughs) going to work. Cause if you, sir, if you and me have a baby, she's going to be black. She's going to be beautiful. And I can't have her with a man who's just misogynistic. Black women, like yeah. no. So he he backpedaled hard, but not too hard. And he just said, like he he literally said this. They've like I, they've lost their magic with me or something. And I guess when he was younger, a bunch of black women broke his heart or whatever. Um, mm, okay. And they like tried after that to be like, well, I guess that's a good reason. It's really not. Like this is weird. I don't, I mean, you can have a preference, I guess, but how embarrassing for me that I didn't just like wrap it up right then and there. You know what I mean? I waited till we talked on the phone like a few weeks later and it was so boring to sleep. Like that is embarrassing of me. Again, leave it the first red flag. That was a red flag. Like Mm. he doesn't respect black women. And this is his weird soft way of presenting that putting it on them saying that they've lost their magic with him as if like no you have a preference and it makes me uncomfortable because i don't know how far that preference extends like are you going to treat our sons differently than you treat our daughters like i we can't get caught up in this because there's a lot of there's a lot of black women who have white moms and black dads and they don't feel that beautiful because of things that their fathers say Um, and i hear about it all the time and I'm like, we can't be risking this. Um, yeah. But I should have left at that point. But I waited till the phone call. That was so boring that I fell asleep. But I wish I would have escaped. But from this story, I learned my lesson. And then another time happened. <laughs> <laughs> it happened another, twice? Another time happened, but less severe. Oh, okay. And I did it. We literally, this, this guy and I were boyfriend girlfriend for one week. I literally had two Mormon boyfriends that I dated for a week. That's not, that's totally true. Like exactly seven days. This gentleman, if we can call him that, he was mixed. And anyways, so he had like some privileges that you have in California as a mixed black man. Mm-hmm. He was like light skinned, things like that. Um, and he would make comments about like how I have colored eyes and how that was like something that he wants for his children. I was like, I can't guarantee that. <laughs> I can give you a colored eye baby. I can't guarantee that. I can't. <laughs> and you know what? I had I had Mexican men say that to me. I had a really? lot of men of color throw that out there, and then I have to lower the boom. It's like my grandpa is super melanated. <laughs> like, wow. like my answer, women, I don't know how yeah. to let you know this. If we do the Punnett square, <laughs> the Punnett square yeah. of jeans, I can't guarantee. <laughs> it. 
Um, but he was like telling a story at, about his work and there was a woman that was bothering him because she was quote annoying or whatever. And then he said some comment like, and of course she was black or something like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I didn't waste my time with any of my little like sensitive speeches about, oh, I want to be a mom. And I know <laughs> I was just like, that's you're a red flag. I literally was like, I don't yeah. like how you talked about the story. And then I found myself defending her in the story. I was like, she could have been having a bad day. You could have been, what was your attitude? Like he and I were never going to work. Like yeah. that ship sunk hard. That's interesting <laughs> because I, yeah, I feel like I have a lot. One, I think like, um, the fact that he said it to you is the red flag for me. Within the black community, we can like discuss within ourselves and point out things about our own culture or within interculture problems that we think that are happening and that are still like probably not a great thing for him to say even within our, our within our own community. But to a but to a white person or to a white presenting person would be very like you're saying something against your own people to someone who doesn't even know your experiences it's very telling of like how you feel about like your own people it's not great you know what i mean like you should be very defensive it should be very like loyal to what is going on in your community that you should be able to understand and not speak to 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 anyone outside of your community in a way that's like like damning like within our own community we're very we're very like upfront and to the point, like, you know, like she had to be a black woman doing this or when black people, you know, uh, speak about, you know, the black culture within like black, uh, black owned businesses, you know, we, we, we're very kind of, we can be very um, judgmental within our own community, but we support, we will support and we will continue to support. You will never know, you would never, you would never know that we have like, you know, we're like, we're pointing the finger being like, you know, you know, uh, pick your shit up you know what i mean but i think that's 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 interesting and i think that was really good of you to be like yeah we gotta jump the fence i think this the second thing for you and for anybody that's like dating someone if you're dating someone especially if they're black in america and you're dating and you're not black and you're dating someone from that culture you're probably dealing with some form of internalized racism i don't know if it's if it's zero percent one percent 50%, 80%, 90%, you're dealing with some form of it. Because it's just, it's inbred in the culture. You just can't get out of it, right? However, it's how you respond to that, that criticism or to, or to that reality is the most important thing. So if you would have been like, you know, I think I was probably raised in a certain environment where I didn't really see a lot of black people. I gravitated towards this culture because it was ingrained in me that my skin color or the way I was, wasn't right. And I'm kind of unlearning those things or I'm trying to embrace myself and love my people more and love black women more. That would have been a really telling sign that he realizes where he's at and is in, in his, you know, in the way that he's dating. And he's like trying to press onward, but he, he's really likes you. But the fact that he, if you can't come to that reality, you got to jump ship, right? If he, he hasn't learned enough <laughs> about himself <laughs> to, to, to really figure out whether or not it's good. And if he's, in the, if he's definitely within the church, ooh, you got some work that has to be done. Like, because if you're in the church and you're black, you've, you've got like multiple ladders and multiple things that you have to figure out in order for you to realize that what's going on is like not right for you. So... 
that's like you you get the you get the gold you get the you get the Tony Award you you get the EGOT for <laughs> for skipping a really bad <laughs> situation. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so God, I can't, I cannot. And then there was a there was a Dominican guy who, and now I know that this is normal, but I didn't at the time for um, Afro Latino men to not want to identify with black Americans because yes. he like wouldn't want to do that. Like he just didn't get the struggle and he was, his whole family immigrated when he was older. So he grew up in the Dominican. Um, and that was like weird. I was like, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> like this is That's interesting. weird. Like he didn't want to, cause he's just like, I don't get why it's such a big deal. And I was just like, I think you're new here. Like, and not in this like anti-immigrant way, but in like a, you haven't seen what other people are dealing with. That's what I mean by that question of you're new here. I don't want to sound like ignorant to the fact that you immigrated here, but just felt like you must be new to this specific experience that is coming for you that will just because of the way you look like it was just, it was really, really wild. Um, And we didn't work because he was just not, God, I wasted so much of my time. Um, I just wasn't that into him. Like that was all that there was to it. But there was at this point. So that the Dominican man. So, okay, here's, let me just give the timeline here. So the first black man I mentioned who black when he'd lost their magic, whatever, or they had lost their magic. (laughs) I don't know. We were just blaming them. That was a Bowie White Ho. And notice how long I stayed in that struggle. I talked to that guy for like a month, maybe more. Even, even though he dropped that red flag. Then I graduate, I go back to California, the second guy. That lasted a week. Dropped a major red flag. <laughs> then here we go. I'm in I'm in Oklahoma. The Dominican man appears. Oklahoma. Three days. <laughs> that was it. We had three days. You're three days. a master. <laughs> I was literally at that point, the desperation was gone. Leaving at the first red flag was gone. Um and then I also went on a date with a white gentleman who was just like literally cute as a button, um, but he had like more conservative views. He was still a gentleman the whole date, but we both knew at the end, even though we had fun, that this wasn't going to go somewhere. So I did like mm. that classic line of like, "It was so nice to meet you," you know, like it was nice. To... <laughs> and it was it was for the intro. best. It was for the best, um, and it was a it was legitimately a fun date, but like. And I could be okay doing that where I think the me at BYU Idaho would have been like, oh my God, a man that was actually nice, even though we're super not compatible in the long term, I'm gonna right. like just pounce jump, or whatever. Jump in. Right. Yeah. And then I had the creepy date rapist situation I don't need to go into, but Mormon men be Oof. creepy. That's right. I'm okay, I came out alive, but that was scary. Good lord. Um, yeah. And then I met my now husband and I did the tests, all the tests, because he is after so, yeah. How do do you feel though? (laughs) Did all those? He passed. He passed them all. He passed them with flying colors. He never said any creepy comments about giving him a blue-eyed baby. You know, none none of that was ever said. Jesus Christ! Yeah, (laughs) because I've heard that from multiple Mexican men I dated. Um, And then I needed to know his like dating resume, and he dated a diverse group of women. So he dated an Afro-Latina. He dated a Mexican girl, a Mexican-American girl. He dated a white girl. So I knew I wasn't like this weird white presenting trophy um my dating profile i put a picture of me and my 
regalia, meaning my indigenous clothes, and said, this is a tear dress. If you have questions... And then he did like the fact that I was native was a plus, not a disappointment. Um, and then he would say things that were like, Oh, your internalized racism is really not that bad. Cause he would say things like, Oh, if we have a kid, they, they'll probably look super indigenous. Cause that's what we both have in common. I'm like, oh, someone who doesn't just talk about having white children with me. No way. <laughs> <laughs> the bar was, the bar was pretty low. Yeah. Um, and then, he never said anything negative about Latin women, black women, other women in general, just no tinge of racist misogyny there at all. Um, And like who he found attractive, like his celebrity crushes weren't red flags to me because that is a whole other thing for a whole other time. Um, And so like check marks were there and like, it's just, yeah, it was, very much a huge difference and then he didn't have red flags so there wasn't any need to jump ship but i will say sorry this is really long i've talked as a mormon woman we have so much dating trauma that when we find someone healthy if we're lucky enough to find someone healthy we have to unlearn that and unpack that and that is hard and my husband had a lot of patience for me because I just wasn't super trusting and he never gave me reasons not to trust him. Um, and so he was patient with that. And then another thing, so we moved in together before we got married because of the pandemic and we would have like an argument and he would leave the room and I would assume that he was going to leave, like pack his stuff and leave. And so we were in the bedroom arguing and then he went into the other bedroom that we used as like a giant walk-in closet and that's where he went. It was the first place he went to. And I saw him go for his backpack. And I was like, oh, my God, like you scared him away. Like he's going to leave. Like just like all those other times that you set your standards and they would buy. And I was like, well, you suck. Like that was like, yeah. and then because he saw him go for his backpack. And then he sees me in the living room and I have like little teary eyes. Like I'm going to cry. And I was like, are you packing? Or like, are you leaving? And he's like, no, I'm getting my chapstick. Like, I'm not going. Oh, gosh. <laughs> an argument. Like, I'm not leaving you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> but isn't that what y'all do? You just leave at that? No. So wow. anyway, yeah, it was. And then since we've been married, we don't really have necessarily arguments because we, we lived together for so for long quote not really but in the mormon land and mormon land our dating and our our engagement were very long so because of that i think that by the time we were married so many rough edges were made smooth just from that experience where most mormons when they get married they enter that they enter those sharp corners because they don't even know this person but that's another thing we'll get into later what are your thoughts i just talked a lot thanks for listening no, I think it was. I think it was great. I think the thing that I got brought up to me the the most is I think importantly we have concentrated on the experience of women because they're often unheard and we don't we don't hear about it enough. And I'm curious if you have ever heard from maybe in past podcasts or have advice for for men who and how they might experience dating in the church and what it might look like for them to have like a horror story. Like what, like, what do you think? Have, have you ever heard anything? I have some thoughts, but like, I'm curious about what. Ooh, I have, you go first. Cause I talked a lot and then I'll share what I have. Cause I, have, I do have some little tidbits from 
from the other side from men who yeah. have dated women and it's been a nightmare. So you go. Okay. So I, so my only experience, the only reason why I don't say like, I know the experience enough because I'm a gay man within the church and that's very different than being a heterosexual man within the church and dating. So the experience is very much different and I cannot relate to being a straight man and how that looks like. However, um, I remember experiencing a lot of straight men and um, what I saw the most was the struggle of like needing to be a certain type of man, like needing to be that presiding official, that, that, you know, priesthood bearing power that is like constantly like on top of you. And I remember seeing so many people within the church and I have, I often thought to myself then I was like, Oh, look, they're slipping when, when in reality them and their, their partners within the church or this, them being themselves when they were not, engaged or when they were less active or when you know they're being themselves we're just being free we're just kind of just being who they wanted to be and they were just constantly locked down by the rules that were set before them about what it meant to be a man within the church and that's what like what closed them in um and that to me looking at it now it was like they're in like their own prison of of like this is the church's doctrine this is who i'm supposed to be and i i often wish that i wish i i, I could see those, those, that, that free mind, those free men, you know, that to kind of just expressing how they wanted to be and being goofy or being, you know, just being themselves and kind of being just free of the church's, you know, you know, doctrine. Um, that I just, I think yeah, that, that was my, that was my hope is that, you know, like they could step outside and see themselves from a different perspective of the type of person they could be, you know, without the church, but it's so, it's so limiting. I completely agree with that. I utterly and completely agree with that. And it's like we said, or like no one's having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) No one, no one's having a good time. And so even these men aren't. And then I also think that there is, I have a couple of different horror stories that I've heard. So one that was pretty common was their girlfriend would be like, very top like button the top button so she would feel guilty about like holding hands and kissing and then get angry at him for doing those things and then she would feel confused and i'm not trying to make him more of the victim in that story because clearly her own psychology of the trauma of the church has done that to her Mm -hmm. Um, but for him it would just be like they'd have to end the relationship because it was too you know, I like this girl. I want to be with her, but everything is a sin for her. And like, this is so hard. And that makes me really, really sad. Like I knew a girl who I didn't know her personally. Cause like, once I explain the story, you're going to know she and I wouldn't have vibed. Um, <laughs> she yelled at her boyfriend for kissing her because her first kiss was meant to be for her husband at the altar. Oh, wow. And he was like, I don't think. And then she like went off. Like she, she, pretty much it was like this this is like a traumatic event for her and i don't know if it was a salty if he grabbed her face and did it and it, yeah. the way he tells it is like no you know it was like who had the 90 10 or whatever um so i'm not sure but i just think having a, such a rigid rule is pretty damaging for both people involved and then i do know of so many horror stories of men being a salty so like it's uh-huh. right. um, and then other horror stories so many breakups and cheating so many of women cheating on men in <laughs> the church like wild so 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 many at BYU Idaho there was like 
lots of women who I knew who I still enjoy as people and I still respect them, even though we're on different sides of this experience, they would say things like, you have your eyes opened until you're the day at the temple. And so if they were away from their boyfriend for a semester or for a trip or they'd go back home, they would literally go on dates with other men Mm. and have their eyes open. I see. There were. Oh, wow. Even if he's put a ring on it, even if he's put a ring on it. So it really doesn't matter. It's like it's all legal. Like as long as you make the commitment of going to the temple, it's like all kosher. We're we're, we're good. Sorry, that's the wrong word to use. It's all uh, it's all good, right? Like every that's and that's really interesting. It's that's like that 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 the notion that you know it uh, uh, a majority of sins can be forgiven as long as you can get inside the temple and get your and get your literally yes. And I would hear so many. I'm gonna swoop my bangs to the side. The audience can't even see this, but I have little bangs. Uh, So basically, I heard a lot of stories, too, and maybe you did as well, from older people in the church. And it was supposed to be like funny ha-ha, but I would always think of the emotional damage to the person that got left at the altar. Mm. But I heard multiple stories from older women who would like, dear John, their long-term boyfriend, and marry some other guy, like lickety-split, like four months and that was like funny ha ha. And I'm like, but what about the guy that you emotionally just left yeah. behind when he's in hell? Cause the mission is abuse. Um, and then I heard other stories of a woman who literally the day of the temple wedding, she just didn't go. She didn't call oh, him. Wow. And she just didn't show up. And then was like, I don't know whatever happened to him. Whatever. I know a woman who of a woman, an older woman who called off her engagement three days before the wedding and then got engaged to another man. So what had happened was that man that she ended up marrying called her from his mission when he wasn't supposed to and just told her like something kind of cryptic, but she interpreted it. She interpreted it as I shouldn't be marrying who I'm marrying. I need to marry this guy instead. So she called off the wedding like three days before. And I remember hearing the story and I literally asked what happened to that other guy. And she like laughed. I was like, I have no idea. And I'm like, my moral, my moral, like the way that I think I was raised or what I personally believe is so different from that type of stuff. Right. So what I was seeing was these men were very much interested in commitment. So when they proposed, that was like commitment for them. Like I propose to you, I'm absolutely yes. Because what I witnessed a lot from Mormon men in the dating experience is that the dating phase, men were like dogs, like they were pretty awful. But once Mm. these men would get engaged or just Mormon men in a blanket statement would become engaged, there was like a seriousness about this. Like, this is the love of my life. Like, bam, we're going to get married. And so, sorry about the sirens. Um, I will speak louder than they are. (laughs) (laughs) Go to the emergency, whatever it is. Maybe the story is the emergency. And, but for the women, the women that would do this, they were all a similar type of Mormon woman and they just didn't have, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I don't know what it is. I guess the commitment level wasn't there for them. 
Mm. And I think that it's, I don't want to judge or roast them because I think as women were so expendable in the church, Yeah. but the way that I just viewed love and falling in love and getting engaged was so different. It was such a, such a big romantic deal to me, mm. the idea of doing that to someone and all of their stories were never like, he was abusive and I had to ditch him. Like they were, none of them were like that. It was literally like, well, this better option appeared. <laughs> yeah. What they thought was a better option. And literally they, they're all, they, the men in all these stories, like they either went for someone worse or they went from someone who was probably the same. <laughs> like Jeez. They went for someone who was less awesome than their original person that they were with. Um and so, oh yeah, there's a lot of weird rules. And then um, I know a lot of Mormon men and Mormon women who would really change up who they were once they their partner got to know them. And I would see that with women a lot. So kind of a dating horror story is like they thought that this girl was one way because she was super devout in the church and she was still very devout, but like emotional abuse started to happen once they were married. And mm. so it never would get physical, but like things got emotionally concerning. Um, there was someone from my mission actually, who's a really sweet guy, but the signs of an emotional abusive relationship were manifested. Like literally you could see it on social media that wow. like this woman is emotionally abusive to him. And then another like change up, is some women would be like not that into the church, but then would change up once they got engaged or got married for whatever reason. And that would be hard on the man too. Um, but and from that's the- very tough, right? Because it's probably a, someone who's like trying to find their inner light and trying to like get away from something, but the church has sucked them back then in and, you know, this dude, he's just probably doing the same thing. Like just trying to get, trying to get his, you know, church SSIT together and, it's just not good for both of them. I agree. I agree. So as far as like dating horror stories with men that I know of, just that, those are, those are it. A lot of cheating, a lot of super intense rules, a lot of, um, I saw this a lot and it is a critique and I know why it exists. Women are ultimately the victims in any patriarchy, but I saw a lot of women be so afraid to express themselves in any capacity. Yes. So they put on this performance of the ideal Mormon girl, Mormon mm-hmm. wife, Mormon woman. And then as time goes on, they're expressing more of themselves. And the man that they were with is like, this is not who you were. And also the length of the dating and the length of the engagement allows for such a performance to exist. Exactly. Yep. You're and right. It, And it's not fair to her and it's not fair to him because her goal is like, I need to get married. And these are the same women that would do the leaving a guy at the altar stuff. Mm -hmm. They do the same shit. Like it's the same type of person. Unfortunately, Um, I'm going to mute myself so you can talk because these sirens are crazy. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I really, I really appreciate everything you had to say. I think it's, I used to come into the church with the idea that that length of time was like, really special, right? Because you're like, you're focused on, you know, on a very certain thing. It doesn't take you a lot of time to, to like, you know, to get to the point uh, as, uh, as, as it could be said, but it really could be damaging, right? For, for any person that goes in into a relationship to not spend enough time with someone in order to figure them out. And it's, that's, I think that's, a, that's probably the, 
that's probably the greatest. That's definitely a true horror, I think, is just not even knowing who like the person is that you're potentially spending a lot of time with and a lot of, in, 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 I guess, on more of a safety standpoint, like a lot of like personal time with, like you really don't know this person. You haven't learned who they are. And you're only, you're only, if you're only spending three or four months before you're getting married to someone or, or putting on an engagement, like you have, you're really running a risk. Um, and that's super scary for a lot of people within, uh, with, within the church. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's heavy. Um, I'd be interested. Has, has your sirens left? Are they still yeah. going? <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know how much time we have. I think we're like closing on uh, getting to the close to the end. But I'd be curious about um, to lighten the mood. It's been a really like <laughs> it's been good. I think that's good, right? It's been serious because it is very serious, and and dating is very emotional, and relationships are very emotional, and cause a lot of trauma. <laughs> so it's good to to recognize that. I'm curious though if you had any horror stories that were just like you can look back at it and you're like wow, that was like hilarious. Like, what, what was I thinking? Like, like you're... <laughs> you go. <okay. laughs> I, no, okay. I, okay. I do have one. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I told that. I remember. Um, I don't know if I told you on air, if I told you, told it to you off, uh, off the podcast, but the funniest one that I ever experienced, and it was, it was just funny because it just was just, oh my God, it's so sad. Um, I was dating-ish. I don't know what you call it dating. I think I was just like struggling with the idea of calling it a date because it was a it was a woman, and I obviously don't date women. Um, but I was like on this date with um, someone from the church, and a dude who actually was my first kiss as a man um, <laughs> walked up with his new boyfriend on me, like dating this woman after I'd become Mormon, and he confronts me with his boyfriend like as i'm like sitting on the couch like sharing an ice cream cone with this woman and i'm having a total like mental like breakdown of like how do i even speak like i don't even know what to say right now because one i'm on this really like i know this date's not going well i know that i don't want to be in the situation and he's like how are you oh who's this <laughs> how long have you been dating and i was like oh that's super nice and i'm like he's just and he was a capricorn so he had he was like intense like in my face and i was like oh this is real bad this is real <laughs> i have this is the most awkward thing i've ever been in my entire life i don't think there's any there's not there's there's nothing more awkward from for for a, like a, a struggling gay man to be confronted by like his his past gay lover <laughs> while he's trying to date a woman that's bad it was real bad and I mean, as that a was a little bit worked out, but, but what about you? As a Capricorn, I can confirm. <laughs> um, this is how we are. I had one. I had some ones that were kind of funny. So I had a guy at BYU, Idaho, who took me on a date. And I think he thought he was a lot stronger than he was or thought I didn't weigh what I weighed. But we tried to go swing dancing and he dropped me. Oh, God bless. And he was sweating like a horse. Like, he was sweating so bad. He stunk. And he's like a sweet man. And he found someone for him. But oh. it was just like, I can't. I cannot. What, <laughs> another thing that kind of, like, tickles me pink, and I'll make it funny because it starts off so not funny. Oh. But it was just like, there was this guy that other people really wanted me to be with. And I think so many Mormons have this story. If you grow up Mormon, there's someone in the ward or someone in the stake that you think, let's pair these up together. 
it just, that ship was just never going to sail. And so I went on this date with him when I came home from my mission and I realized on the date that like, I don't want to be with this person. Like I'm not very attracted to this person. I just, it wasn't vibing. And the way that other people were just like, how the hell dare you? Like, this is a, he's a good man, Savannah. Like that sounds ridiculous. Calling a convert from my mission on the phone because we were friends. We're still like Facebook friends. Um, Mm. And I told her about it and she was like, this was the only woman who stood by me because homegirl with converts were cool with it. But people raised in the church, like, how dare you? She was like, it sounds like you know what you want and this isn't it. Yeah. Well. And I was like, you're exactly right. And so I hung out with him again. What did you say, sir? No, I just sometimes the way that like a new a newly like a new convert to the church can just really tell you to you straight. Like I know like I get the church, but let me let me give it to you straight, homegirl. Like <laughs> I love it. And then same with one of the guys that I dated for like an embarrassingly short amount of time. I remember crying because I wasn't attracted to him, like mm. sexually. And I cried about it to my mom because I said, I feel bad. Like I feel like I'm gonna hurt his feelings if I break up with him. My mom was also a convert. Did the same thing. Told me straight. She's like, you absolutely cannot be with someone that you're not sexually attracted to. It cannot mm-hmm. happen. She goes, that's exactly like that is spearheaded for disaster. And that's she's like, sad. you, you got to get out of this. Even though he was like this model Mormon guy could take me to the temple and list, made all the check marks. I just wasn't feeling it. And I, I told him like, I'm just not attracted to you like that. Like when he was interested in me mm-hmm. and he basically told me like, well, you can work on it. Like you'll grow to like me, like Beauty and the Beast, and he's happily married now to someone who I'm sure loves him, so it's okay. But it was just one of those weird, weird the way other people are like, you should just be grateful a man isn't spitting in your face and beating you up. So I'd be so taken aback. Like I deserve the best. Excuse me. Like, yeah. like if anybody says you should just be happy, you should hit that person. No, just <laughs> you should literally like never take advice from that person. Like if you're not being like, no, please get exactly what you want from this life. I don't care if it's in the church or outside of it. You need to like that person is not a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> to, not, to not give that person advice there, yeah that's 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 horrible advice that's so bad like you should just be grateful but for what you have <laughs> this is every, the best you ever did over with literally every time like so many times i had a friend set me up with this guy who i was totally not into in any way and it was like a pity date thing i went on and other women who were not in church had to tell me like this is wrong like this is not your friend you don't like him this is madness like this is insanity and he was like he was very persistent because I would let him down easy but he still he thought the friend zone was a thing that like Mm -hmm. if we were friends it just meant stay in the cooker longer and I went on a second date with him and he was angry that I didn't like cuddle up to him and I invited my roommate because I was like this isn't a date like I've already told you I'm not interested in you and that was one that a, a friend in one of my classes was like trying to hook me up with him. And I just wasn't feeling it. And it was just, it's weird. It's still weird. It's such a weird dichotomy because in the Mormon church, you're supposed to just, as a woman, you're just supposed to be grateful that a man is like 
breathing in your direction. <laughs> when, especially because, and we've discussed this, and I, I have I have a delusional level of self-confidence in my physical appearance. It's like a delusional level. But I was so aware, since I was a fucking child, I was so aware that white Mormon people thought I was ugly. (laughs) I never thought I was ugly. I think I'm awesome. And I also think that that's not even important to who I am as a person. But I always knew that. Like, I knew it. I was like, I know these old white people, like, because they were all white. Like, my whole Mormon experience was like, white people letting me know I was hideous. And so it's just so sad because it, it, it just, I mean, every, there's a lot of warped information within the church, but certainly from people that like, they only identify with a certain type of person. And you just like, you're, if, if you're, if you stray anywhere outside of that box, you just, you're destined for a lot of, a lot of ill feelings, internal feelings and a lot of hurt, you know, and that's, that's unfortunate. Word. No, super, super, super word. Um, but there were always like my friends or other women and people that were ethnically diverse were always really nice about the way that I looked and they like, wouldn't get it. They'd be like, what you think you're ugly? And I'm like, I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so, so many Mormon people just had that attitude towards me that they're like, you know what? This girl's a two. She'd be lucky that this man is alive. Like that was it. And I think it's so like tee hee hee funny to me now. Like that is the funniest part of it is the way that like male validation is nothing to me now. Like it is penniless. Like it is nothing to (laughs) me at all. Like you're one of the eight men I speak to. I speak to I don't, I do not. And I also got this thing, which is also like kind of funny where I like to show off my body because I'm that bitch. Mm-hmm. And when I see men look uncomfortable by that or like, mm, I love it. I'm like, good. I hope you don't like what you see. <laughs> Go kick a rock. I love it. I hope you think that's bad. Do it. Like, yes, be, a, be, like bothered be bothered by my physical appearance and how bothered and how slutty I'm dressing. You go that's be bothered. Weird. It's very that's weird. Uh, that makes me want to like take a vacation <laughs> with you, like so bad. Like, like we need to make that happen. <laughs> I know. I'm already wearing the vacation stuff. I'm oh wearing. gosh. I'm manifesting it. Yes. <laughs> I'm manifesting the vacation. Yeah. I manifest a lot. I manifested this beautiful apartment. Mm. Manifested an adorable man. Because I like spoke him like he is my dream guy. I just that's didn't amazing. think that he existed. But that's also probably why I was able to escape so many horrific Mormon men. Is because mm. I had this like little hope, like this little idea, like the dream guy is out there. You'll Oof, find yes. him. And I and I hope for any person that you know, listens to this podcast or has an experience like dating in the church that, you know, you can get your mind focused on the right type of good person for you. You keep learning like what that's supposed to be and not settling for anything that um, is going to, you know, like listen, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. <laughs> really. This is not good for you, like mentally or emotionally. Like, nothing, nothing is going to save you more than like getting out of that past relationship it certainly is a, a, a temple blessing <laughs> like hope you can get out of that completely for uh, <laughs> you're in the church <laughs> nothing is going to save you more than realizing like you're you're worth more than that that crappy dating experience that you're having 100 literally preach it that's exactly it like amen to that and also like 
something I never believed when I was Mormon, but now I'm like fully embracing it. And it's, it's very hypocritical of me because I am married, but there's nothing wrong with being single. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing wrong. Single people actually live longer. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. They live longer. <laughs> getting that out there. There's, there's nothing wrong with being single. Like, nothing wrong with it at all. People can live happy, fulfilled lives. It's kind of like you don't need to be beautiful to everybody. Like, ugly right. people live happy lives, too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. mm, weird concepts. Yeah. <laughs> but reality. You know, reality. We're, we're out here, like, you, you know, there's a lot of single people in the world, probably a lot more now. And we got, we got to live and survive and, and love ourselves and, and be happy. And we're doing it just fine. <laughs> Literally, for real. Same with people that don't have kids. They're yeah. happy. You can happy. be happy and not have kids. It can be a thing. Yeah, weird concepts. Get a plant. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have plants. I have fake plants. I have nothing that needs me for life. Yeah, that's fine. You got to start somewhere. But you know, even that, you don't have to actually. <laughs> <laughs> you can plastic it up completely, hundred percent. True. Where? Oh Do you have gosh. any other questions or stuff? I feel like I talked a lot. Um. Uh, oh, I guess I don't know. If I'm final. Final words for <laughs> for everyone currently in and internal. Uh, in, in in the church, just really going through it, but with no way to get out, or, or seemingly no way to get out. I mean, I think just like we've, it's not real. They're lying to you. It's a lie. <laughs> it's just a big old heap of lies. It's baloney. It's a, it's a I don't even know how to spell it. Baloney. So <laughs> that's a, that's the, honestly that's a like it's a lie. Girl, it's a lie. Get out. <laughs> I love it when you say girl, and then I love it from the first episode when you're like, she's willing, she's ready. And it's like classic lines oh from Sugar Cane. Quote, so quotable. Yes. <laughs> You're like the best. But that's, it's just, it's just a lie. And every part of it has unfortunately been a lie. But I think you dropped some excellent advice for people who are non-Black in relationships with Black people, whether they're Afro-Latino or non-just like Black American or like from Africa, the Caribbean, doesn't matter. The whole diaspora. I think that that is relevant, that there is a lot to unpack. Yes. And if you're not concerned about that, you might be fetishizing that person. If you're not concerned about how they feel about their own people, you need to be, you need to be thinking about that. It's very important. Yeah. You're the problem. And if you, if you're, if you're a white woman, girl, run. If he thinks it's okay to say degrading, disparaging things about black women, that's not someone you can have a daughter with. What is he going to talk to? How is he going to talk to your daughter? Uh, He's going to lift her up. Yeah. I mean, she has to be in a world where she's living with, I mean, at, at minimum, two social identity groups that are marginalized. You know how many uh, how many more that she has to you know experience and like fight against. You have to be like her powerhouse and make her every, you know. And you just need someone that's going to be able to support her, support her, or him that the way they're supposed to. So it's it's a crucial. It's super Word. crucial that you're dating someone that is like you know knows their own struggle and, and is fighting for it. It's important. Word, preach it, preach, 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 preach. Because I think that like dating people outside of your culture and outside of your race, people are like, ooh, like it's like a fun, exciting experiment. And I'm like, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, it could be really bad. Because I'm telling you, I, I don't actually have dated a lot, but I, you know, it's the same with dating 
peop, non non POC people? Like, what do they believe about you know about you? Like, how do they talk about you, and how do they fetishize you? It's just like you can get right into a really serious problem, and <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> For real, for real. And as I've said before, my threshold is my threshold for men is so low. You know, mm-hmm. that like, like I said, the timeline of when I would put up with stuff by the time I was in Oklahoma, it was like, it was like, like three days. <laughs> Literally, you come in with the questions like, OK, hold on. <laughs> Question one, because <laughs> this could be very short <laughs> or it could be even shorter if you want it to be. <laughs> Seriously. God. Ugh. Yeah, those are my those are my final thoughts that it's just a lie every everything and also like we could at another time if you wanted to no i'll talk about it when we're not recording i have other episode ideas so i will mention those later i can't be doing commercials for an episode during an episode Uh-oh. but um who do you want to close in the name of if you don't have any final thoughts Ooh, um, oh how about in the name of uh, uh every good uh, every 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 good date uh, loving man that exists, like the two of them that are out there, like your husband and, and my eventual boyfriend at some point. In the name of those people who got it right, those two out there. There's those only two. one per every five thousand miles. <laughs> so good luck, Brian. It's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> get off Tinder because this is not happening. <laughs> They're only born on full moons. Oh, gosh. One of those it's an incantation. The book is buried next to more Joseph Smith's plates out there somewhere. So true. Tee-hee.